have our favorite eating establishments that we frequent for breakfast or lunch. Well, what would you do if you found out your number one diner was not just closing, but moving out of the country? Well, that's exactly what happened to the patrons of the excellent diner in Westfield, and the move was greeted with mixed emotions. It's a sad day when uh, something that has been a, a, um, a lifelong thing here in Westfield, such as the excellent diner, has been there for as long as I've been here. Uh, and as a child, I used to visit the excellent diner. And now to see it leave, it's a sad day for Westfield to lose part of its history, uh, especially when uh, uh, things could have been worked out. There are many Westfielders who, uh, who were regular patrons of the diner, uh, who have uh, been here all their lives, who have known, and Steve, have known Steve and Harriet as I have for the last 20 years and come to love them very much as Westfield citizens. Even though they don't live here, we consider them part of Westfield. And today, part of Westfield leaves us. And uh, I would only hope that uh, the legacy will continue wherever the excellent diner goes and that they would put Westfield, New Jersey, wherever this diner lands. I would like to see Westfield, New Jersey put on it because uh, uh, it's been a landmark for Westfield. Welcome to episode 20 of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast, all things magical and Disneyland Paris. I'm Andrew Williamson and I'm joined by Simon West. Bonjour. Each Magical Disneyland Paris podcast episode will have a different focus, be it an attraction, restaurant or special element of the Disneyland Paris world. This episode we are focusing on Café de Cascadeurs. We will also hand over to you, the listener, and discuss your views and opinions. Bonjour indeed. Yeah, I mean, I was just about to say, your French accent's nearly as bad as mine with the old uh, Café de Cascadeurs. <laughs> I've got a C in French, I think, actually. That's, I mean, I didn't even take it, so that's that's better than I did. You can probably still speak better French than I can, though. Uh, let's not let's not test it, Andrew. Let's not test it. We won't test it, but um, you know, I just remember in my French lessons, we were sat alphabetical order, boy, girl, boy, girl, uh, by the teacher. And um, luckily for me, I won't say her name, but it was somebody beginning with a W for the surname. Um, I sat next to her, cleverest in the class. So um, I think it must have just kind of like osmosis or something. It just kind of soaked into my brain from her brain. I got a C in the exam. Boom! I can't even speak French. Nice. Well done. <laughs> I mean, you're not you're not advocating copying or anything, are you, Andrew? No, I didn't copy. It just Very good. Kind of, Very good. My brain did. I didn't. I didn't know I was doing it. <laughs> so yeah, Cafe de Cascadeur. Before we start kicking off with what we normally go through, the history, what it's like now, what it's going to be like in the future, hopefully. Um, what do you know about Café de Cascadeur, Simon, before well, we started this episode? Well, this is going to be a fun episode because we've got we've got both ends of the spectrum here, really, when it comes to knowledge about, about this, uh, what I would call slightly niche restaurant, if I'm honest. We've got me at one end of the spectrum who's, well, I've never been to the place. And then we've got you at the other end of the spectrum who, I mean, this is, if you died, this would be your heaven. Oh, yes. Right? Definitely would. So this this should, I think this is going to be an educational experience for me. Let's put it that way. Well, hopefully the listeners will learn something. Uh, hopefully I don't learn anything because I should know everything that we're talking about today. Hopefully. I mean, you really are the teacher in this scenario. <laughs> don't remind me that I'm back at school in a few days' time. <laughs> and if you're listening to us in the future, I'm probably already at school now with my head in my hands. Oh, bless you. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, um, 
some hopefully uh, some listeners out there will know some of this already. Uh, but I can imagine for a, quite a few listeners, uh, especially those like you, Simon, who haven't managed to get to eat inside the Café de Cascadeur, you're going to learn something from this. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, it will be quite interesting as well to see your reaction to what I say, my opinion. Um, you might be able to quiz me on why I believe certain things. So let's see how it goes anyway. So let's start off with the brief history of the uh, the diner, the Café de Cascadeur's diner. Started life as uh, the excellent diner it was known as in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, apparently it's very close to New York City. I'm not very good with my geography. Um, I didn't sit next to that girl in geography and the, the information didn't soak into my brain. Um, <laughs> but yeah... Um, very, very interesting. Uh, the, the the original diner was created by the Jerry Mahoney or Jerry O Mahoney Company uh, in America. Um, for decades, they were the leading manufacturer of dining cars. They built the diner uh, in 1947 in Elizabeth. Uh, this style of diner, apparently, according to their books, um, can be recognised by its streamlined beauty, rounding corners, and stainless steel trim. What's not to love? Ooh. <laughs> and I'm tantalised already. Oh, it's amazing. Now, I found uh, the sales brochure. Now, I, I will share a link to this uh, once we've finished and once we've released the podcast. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the podcast, uh, the podcast, the uh, the brochure is really, really interesting. It kind of is just the sales brochure. It tells you the different types of um, diner you can buy, all the different features, some of the original imagery. Um, and it is really interesting, especially if you really, really, really love this uh, Café de Cascadeur. One interesting point that I'd like to focus on for a little bit is the fact that, obviously, we're talking uh, the 1950s here, 1960s, when people were, well, this was popular and this was the main uh, time period for diners in America. Now, I've, t- I've put in today's money as well. In the brochure, it recommends that you can uh, gain about 5000 to $10,000 a year in income. By running one of these diners, which today's money is $112,000, which uh, for a small, because it's not massive, is it? For a small diner, that's not a bad uh, income, really, is it? No, that's not a bad turnover. I mean, I, I would imagine that's uh, that's probably based on a few people stopping in their cars and coming and having a quick bite of, you know, reasonably priced food. Whereas in Disney, you know, I mean, this place, this place is always full. And uh, 14 euros for a burger... I mean, they've got to be raking it in, right? There must be, but it, you need to uh, be lucky when you catch it open. That's the only thing. Um, you do. We will talk about that later on. Um, but like I said, it started life as the excellent diner. Now, when I originally wanted to do a podcast episode about the Café de Cascadeur, um, I was a little bit aware of this story, but until you start digging down into the story and how, how it's touched the people of um, Westfield in New Jersey... It kind of is. It was part of the community. Now, there's an hour-long documentary. Um, Alan from Cafe Fantasia actually sent me it a long, long time ago. Now, I remember him sharing the tweet um, a few years ago. Now, when my love for Cafe de Cascadeur uh, first began, but you need to watch that again. We'll share the link for that one on uh, Twitter and Facebook and our website uh, with this podcast episode, um, because it basically shows you the inside of the diner when it was working. Uh, it even says on the sign it's air conditioned, and if you look at the uh, some imagery, you can actually see there's no space for the air conditioning unit to go anywhere other than on the roof. So there's just big long tubes and the uh, fans on top of the roof. Kind of doesn't uh, add to the aesthetic, but it uh, so air conditioned facility. So that's good. Um, what was I saying? So yeah, um, 
the video talks to different punters, um, different customers, what they loved about the place. Some of them probably didn't leave the diner um, and they had the breakfast there every morning. Uh, they always went there for tea or dinner in the, uh, in the evening. But it's definitely a wonderful uh, thing to listen to and to watch. The um, It also covers the movement of the original diner uh, to its new location. Uh, it was located and removed, sorry, relocated and moved um, to Germany. Um, kind of lasted in uh, Westfield for about 20 years, and in 1995 it was sold to a German buyer who had it shipped overseas, and he wanted it to be the his, Germany's first American-style diner. It's so amazing the passion that people have for this diner. It started off a long time ago. I think when I started digging down into this story a lot more, Simon, it kind of it was another reason why I liked this Café de Cascadeurs restaurant in Disneyland Paris so much. Well, this is something that's always really fascinating to find out because you you go to these theme parks and I mean, by and large, the stuff you see is you know it's fabricated. It's not real stuff. It's it's I mean, themed literally. Um, but I mean. Hark back to like uh, the Eddie Soto interview that you did and him talking through how they'd go around and find antique shops to to fill the main street shops with as decorations. I mean, this is that, but on a really crazy scale. They've taken a whole restaurant that was a genuine restaurant, um, you know, in the in the 60s and 70s in America, then as a as an American diner in Germany. And they've brought it to the Studios Park. Now, I just wonder... So obviously, this guy in well from Germany brought it over uh, in 1995. It must have been a very expensive and a very uh, time-consuming thing to organise. I just wonder if Disneyland Paris would have brought it over from America themselves. Um, obviously, if it's in Germany, you don't have to put it on the sea. You just need to put it on the back of a truck and it drives into France. Do you feel that they would have taken the expense if they wanted this diner from America? Well, I mean, you sort of have to imagine probably not. I mean, in terms of how quickly you could throw up a cheap building to be able to get, you know, a, a kitchen and a nice amount of space for people to sit. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, certainly nowadays, at least, that's not a huge amount of money. But, I mean, transporting something or, you know, pulling it apart and piecing it back together, I, I think there's probably a lot of unexpected costs involved in that. Yeah, the... um. Obviously, on the Eddie, Eddie Soto interview, he does talk about how they, uh, like you mentioned, go and source lots of original materials and artifacts and bring them from around the world uh, to the park to help with the theming. Um, but this probably would have been the biggest challenge of all, um, which is probably why it was useful for them that they could locate one in Germany. Um, he probably was going to sell it. Now, I don't know this for, for sure. I'm just making this up now. But he was probably looking at selling it and Disneyland Paris thought, you know what, that would go really, really well uh, in our Walt Disney Studios Park in the back, back lot area. Um, nice little quote here. Um, it was a neat experience because it was like walking back into the 1950s. Uh, that's why, the um, as part from the German guy wanting it to be brought over to be the country's first American-style diner, he just thought it was like a little time machine as well. And that's kind of what you get now in uh, Disneyland Paris, which you won't even know about. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, yeah, we, we won't talk about the uh, the video anymore, uh, but if you want to watch it, we'll share the link uh, in, the, in the notes for this podcast, and we'll also put it on our Twitter and our website. Definitely worth a watch. 
an hour long. It's very, it is a quite long one, and a lot of the stuff is repeated. But even it's, it's definitely worth just a little flick through uh, to see what the original diner was like, because there isn't that much different really. They've, they have modernised it and stuff, and obviously it needs to uh, follow the health and safety regulations of today. But uh, pretty much. Still, still the same size, still the same kind of uh, layout inside, uh, and we'll talk about that in the next bit. So yeah, it's currently located now, after it went from America to Germany, it's now in Backlot at Walt Disney Studios Park. Now, I couldn't get a definite opening date for this, but obviously Walt Disney Studios Park opened on the 16th of March 2002, uh, and from what we've seen, it looks like uh, Café de Cascadeurs opened a few weeks after the opening. Um, now, one thing that you said to me before we press record, Simon, was that un- until you look through the notes, you didn't realise what Café de Cascadeurs actually stood for, or what it was translated into English. So if you want to share your knowledge with everybody now, you know it. Well, I mean, it's quite convenient that we open the episode by saying that we don't know any French, because otherwise that might have been a big bombshell for the listeners. <laughs> um, but it turns out Café de Cascadeurs translates to effectively the Stuntman's Café, uh, which, I mean, in hindsight now, kind of makes sense of why they have the little icon of of a guy on a motorbike. Yeah, it kind of it makes sense, doesn't it? And it obviously fits in with the location of where it is in the park as well. We it obviously... does, obviously right next to Motors Action. Yeah, so, now again, being the naive Englishman that I am, and I didn't read French when I went to France, so, yeah, I thought it was just a cafe, and I don't know what cascadeurs meant. But again, until you... I, I didn't even kind of picture the the actual image of the stunt rider so i didn't really put what two and two together there at all um that's probably just me being one of those silly british people (laughs) i mean it's it's very easy to get the feeling that it's i mean to be honest when i saw it i i thought of it more as kind of like a you know almost like a massive winnebago you know this is this is the place where the cast and crew go after they've they've had their day filming and they Swish off to the to the diner and then eat some fast food. You kind of get that theming very easily. There are a few nods to it being a stuntman's cafe. As you go in, there's there's a helmet and a, and a sort of rider's cloak and jacket up. So there are a few things that give hints to it. But obviously, if if you don't speak French, you could. <laughs> turns out you could miss that quite easily. But yeah, we always talk about Disney having a story, don't we? Um, and again, another reason why Cafe de Cascadeurs. Uh, wins a place in my heart is again it just, it's not ring your face doesn't make a big big thing out of it as the, there's no stunt riders riding up and down on motorcycles in the cafe itself in the diner itself but there's little props little bits of theming the bike outside like you're saying the helmet um and the jacket out, just hanging up as you walk in the door just to kind of show that's what it's supposed to be um kind of making it authentic because you wouldn't have people shouting at you through the door going oh welcome to the stuntman's cafe so you don't need to shout at people but it kind of just tells you subliminally can't even say that word that was a weird word um so so yeah they kind of show you what it is rather than forcing it down your throat all the time um the food on offer now it's class as american food it's very very simple now have you looked at the menu? I know you haven't been to the Café de Cascadeur before. Do you, before you looked at the menu, did you know what it served or not? Oh, of course. I mean, I've I've, I've met you, so I mean, all the <laughs> all the many years of knowing you has built up in my head that the Café de Cascadeurs does the very best burgers in the history of mankind. In the history of mankind, indeed. Yes. 
<laughs> now, it's very, I think one of the reasons why it works so well is it is just so simple. Um, you've, you've basically got, if you go to a lot of restaurants, and suppose around the park, um, it is still quite simple as well, but there's no real options. So if for a starter, if you want to start, basically all there is is a Caesar salad, and that is it. And they, uh, currently, this one, I think this uh, menu was from June 2018. Um, it's probably similar now. So at €8.49, you could get a starter of a Caesar salad, and that is it. So that's the starter sorted, which obviously I don't go for. Having, uh, not a fear, but anything green. No, thank you. Waste of time. <laughs> waste of space. Uh, but the main courses. So, yeah, <laughs> this is your options, baby. Burger, burger or burger. Oh, nice. Now, obviously, the premium beef burger at €14.99 is, uh, that's the way you want to go. You don't want to go with the chicken burger or the veggie burger. No offence uh, to anybody out there who uh, likes a bit of a veggie burger. Um, but yeah, you got the steak, you got the cheese, you got bacon. Again, I take the salad out, so I don't know what it tastes like with the salad, but you've got onions. Um, you then got the nice burger sauce as well. Don't forget the pickles. But it's just <laughs> everything. I've, I've had better fries places. Now, I've, I've read a few tweets uh, from a while ago that I posted uh, when I visited uh, for the first time. Um, oh, what's it called? Five Guys. Um, I went to York uh, during the summer holidays and had a taste of Five Guys. I remember tweeting at the time. Will this be better, the same, or worse than uh, Café de Cascadeurs? And uh, I was undecided at the time, but looking back, the fries were amazing at Five Guys. They definitely beat Café de Cascadeurs. Uh, but the fact that the burger is cooked right in front of you, to put to your order, you can see how fresh the ingredients are. Um, yeah, Café de Cascadeurs won it for me. Yeah, Five Five Guys is definitely the, uh, I guess, the obvious comparison point, isn't it? Mind you, Five Guys is it? Is it? 15, well, I'm going to assume the exchange rate right now is a one-to-one given Brexit. So <laughs> is it £15 for a burger and five guys? Ah! It was quite expensive, I remember. And I was in York at the time and I was thinking, wow, this is uh, must be a premium burger, this. There's <laughs> no, no frills, but it was yeah, definitely I mean, tasty. To, to talk through the menu again, Sorry, it's I'm just... nice how they... I'm just they being... go through again, premium beef burger, premium chicken burger, and premium veggie burger. Nothing's not premium here. That's why you can uh, charge a few do- a few euros extra if you put the word premium on the front. Exactly. I mean, I guess maybe it's premium in comparison to, uh, I don't know, Cafe Hyperion, perhaps. Definitely. That's like eating the microwave cardboard box. <laughs> and I have tasted them before. Um, yeah, I've never tried the chicken burger, and I can, I'm hoping that I can imagine that it would be. It looks very tasty, um, and I'm not a fan of the veggie burger, but I'm sure if they put the same love as they put in with uh, the beef burger, it would be absolutely delicious. And I'm very hungry right now. You should be. Uh, the, <laughs> just to say that the veggie burger is uh, the patty is described as a vegetable cake. So uh, doesn't that sound appealing? Not when you don't like vegetables very much, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the exact same uh, stuff, isn't it, really? So you've got caramelised onions, you've got the vegetables, so like the uh, the lettuce. and There is actually a few more uh, vegetables in the uh, veggie burger, um, but it's very similar um, filling. Uh, it's just basically you've either got the beef patty in there, you've got the chicken, uh, roast chicken in there, or you've got the uh, vegetable cake. So again, it's very, it's very, very simple. Um, I do like the fact, like I mentioned before, that you, you can sit. There's the nice round spinny chairs in front of the counter uh, where they take your order. Um, I, I've been seated there once before, 
uh, and I've also been seated in the booth a couple of times as well. And being seated at the counter was probably the best experience because a bit unnervy at, this, at times because you kind of sat right in front of the person who was cooking your food, and you keep watching them and you think, "Where's that hand gonna go? Oh, wait a minute, you're gonna rub your face. Oh, you haven't touched your nose. That's fine. Are you gonna wipe it on your pinny or your apron or what? So you are watching them like a hawk. <laughs> and um, good to say. On the experience I had uh, when I was at the on the counter, yeah, I didn't they didn't touch the nose or pick the nose or scratch the bum or anything when I was watching. Um, so it kind of, you kind of in your head, you kind of you know what's happening with your food. You can see it. You can get see them getting out the fridge. You can see them cooking it. Um, the health and safety they all putting into it, and it kind of just I don't know. It just makes it a lot. It, I think maybe tastes nicer as well because you can see that that's the burger you've had from point A to point B and then point C in your mouth. Well, I, I run with a, a a thought that food's always tastier when you've cooked it yourself. So I guess it's probably like halfway there if you've seen someone cook it. So it's it's got to be better, right? Yeah, and you don't. It kind of it's better than sitting there waiting, doing nothing as well. Obviously, when you're in the queue for a fast uh, fast service, some of that some of the burgers that you've probably ordered have been sat there for maybe well probably not in Disneyland Paris, but maybe a couple of minutes. So all they're doing is basically picking it, putting it on the tray and then shoving it in front of you. Whereas at this one, um, I've seen that sometimes they've brought it to your table, sometimes you've went up to the counter to collect it. So I've had different experiences, but it's you basically got to walk two steps from the oven to your table, um, and it's still fresh when you... It's still piping hot. It's just a really good experience. Now, I'm, I am a fussy eater, and I'm, don't, and I'm not a person that minds busy restaurants, but part of it as well is the fact that it's because um, it is limited seating available inside. Uh, there is a few tables outside, but I've never seen anybody using those before, probably because I've been there in the winter, um, so they're probably not in use. But it's the fact that there's not as many people there, so there's not as many people on top of you, there's no pushing and shoving. Um, the queue is outside, so if you if you, there is a queue or you want to get inside and there's a, know there's a couple of tables coming up, you wait outside. So there's no like standing queuing or anything like that. So it's a lot more relaxed and a nice atmosphere in there. Um, oh yeah, let's go on to desserts or children. Unless you've got anything else you want to say about burgers? Uh, no, other than it's served with fries, or apparently you can get a little Caesar salad with it. Yeah, you can get a little pots of Caesar salad. Um, I don't. Who know. would do that though? Yeah, Who's I've ever got... had burger and salad before? It just doesn't happen. Especially if you've normally got Definitely a bit of salad not in, in America. Your... If you've got a bit of salad in your burger, there's no point in getting extra salad, really. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, you can get a kids' children's burger, um, a chicken burger with uh, cherry tomatoes and an apple compote. Don't forget the no added sugar. Uh, like a little child menu there. You can get a kid's beef burger. I remember Noah, he had the uh, beef burger and fries. Um, I've still got the picture in my head now of him, like, basically one mouthful and the burger was, like, squashed into his mouth and he loved it so much. Um, and <laughs> I don't know if it's because I kept saying to him, oh, these are the nicest burgers I've ever tasted. Every na- every Even now, uh, a few years later or a few months later, he'll say, oh, I love the Café de, Cata- de Cascadeurs burger. Um so much so that when uh, I think it was last time we went in February last year, I was uh, on Hyperspace Mountain, I think, and um, the missus and Noah went into Walt Disney Studios Park, 
um, to have a little look around. And they, well, I think they wanted to go in and have a little cheeky photograph to wind me up saying that they've been to Café de Cascadeurs. Um, but sadly for them, it was actually shut. And I, I remember him, uh, there's a picture outside of him on the motorbike outside pretending to cry because he couldn't go inside. <laughs> That's how much he, I've, I've kind of just forced it. He, he's a Liverpool fan with football and I forced him to be a Café de Cascadeurs fan as well. And it's kind of worked. Well, like father, like son, right? <laughs> um, desserts. I can't remember. I think actually, yeah, I had ice cream last time. But you've got um, a fruit salad, you've got pancakes, and of course, it's got chocolate sauce. That's probably obviously not branded as Nutella, but that'll be Nutella pancakes. Uh, you've also got then uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which is very expensive. Five euros for the, one of the small pots. Yeah, five euros a pot. I mean, it's not. It's not that much more than in a supermarket here, to be honest. Assuming, assuming it's not on a deal, obviously. Of course. But these are the these are the tiny little pots you can get for like two pounds in a. Oh wait, these cinema. are the tiny pots. Oh yeah, you don't get a full pot for five oh, euros nineteen. Come that's on. actually heartbreaking. <laughs> and as with any eatery, um, you can get now. At the time, this was a twenty fifth anniversary uh, mug, but I'm sure they have something similar uh, now. But they have, they have they always have like straws or souvenir mugs that you can purchase. Um, you've then got the the usual for drink: uh, Coca Cola, Fanta, Sprite, water, uh, Nest uh, sparkling water, and you've got your selection of hot drinks such as coffees, uh, coffee with milk, and then tea, cappuccino. Or a hot chocolate drink. So it, it, again, it's very, very simple, very straightforward. Um, if you don't like a burger, don't really go to Cafe de Cascadeurs because it, it's kind of all about the burger, isn't it? I mean, it's literally all about the burger. Burger is the only thing they serve, <laughs> unless you want to count Caesar salad. But uh, that's not that's not food as far as we're concerned. Nope. Now, I can't. This is going to be really bad information because I can't remember the name of the film. You might remember it. You might have seen it. Hopefully. Um, it's a film about the guy who started up McDonald's. Ooh, what's he called? The Founder. Have you watched the film The Founder before? No, no, I haven't. No, this is, now, this I is believe, going to be more education for I me. I believe it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime. I again, this is everything that I know is written down on a piece of paper. Anything else is gone. Um, but anyway, The Founder, um, that film is all about how this guy created McDonald's, basically. Uh, but some of the principles that he used at the start were basically... Keep it simple and do it well, and that's kind of what Cafe de Cascad. That's kind of what Cafe de Cascadeurs is doing. As soon as you walk in, it's simple. What's your order? Burger, burger, burger. What type of burger? You can ask for it. Uh, different types of cooking as well, so medium, well, and rare. And um, that just—it's keeping it simple, isn't it? In, out. Your fries are all the same. The salad's always the same. It is basically how do you want your burger cooked? Slap it on. Boom. Tastes the same every time. Well, I mean, they're they're good at what they do. Clearly, they could definitely go worldwide with this. <laughs> if, I, if I had some money, now we'll talk, maybe talk about this later on, uh, because who knows what the future holds for a Cafe de Cascada. But if I ever, if I ever was the couple that won the hundred million euros, it was the other day, I would probably purchase it, buy a few more, and go worldwide. Yeah, take on five guys. Take them on. Beat them at their own game. But obviously, I'll pay for a license and get some uh, stuntman with Mickey Mouse ears on the top. Just to bring it back to the Disney way. Um, I mean, if Motors Action gets retired as well, then buy them both. I could do. Go on a travelling world tour. You can't have animals in circuses anymore. You can't call people freaks. 
I was—I don't know what I was going to say then, but I stopped myself from saying anything bad. Uh, <laughs> you can't have people at a circus as kind of a sideshow, so why not have stuntmen flying around on cars, travelling the world with Café de Cascadeurs towing in the back? Stunts and burgers. What more could you want in life? There we go. Some Disney on ice. We'll, just do, <laughs> we'll do that around the world. So, yeah, um, back to the interior. Now we've discussed a little bit of the food. Um, Wurlitzer. What do you know of a Wurlitzer? Young Simon. Um, I mean, obviously, this is this is far beyond my time. Uh, before my I'm, time, I'm I mean. mine as well. I'm mine. Um, but uh, it's a jukebox, I believe. A jukebox. You know what a jukebox does, a young man? Uh, it's like an iPod, but it's massive and slow. It is right now. I can imagine this is an original as well, um, and it still works. And you compare now. I'm sure. I'm not going to tell you it now, because um, I know that Alan uh, Cafe Fantasia has sent us a nice long email, as usual, and he goes into detail of how much it actually costs to use that, so come back later, there's a bit of a cliffhanger there, you're going to find out how much it is. But you can either put in some money and buy one song, or you can buy three songs, I think it is. Um, but yeah, so many cool 50s and 60s tunes into the world, It's a, um, when it lights up, it's so cool, it just... Just kind of adds more to the atmosphere and the theming of the time of the the American diner experience. It's just so beautiful. And as always, it's really nice to have things that you can actually interact with in a restaurant as well. It is, yeah. It's kind of you, once you if you if you are waiting for your food or you want to wait in between courses or anything like that. If you're waiting between your salad and your burger, or, or your burger and your dessert, you could then walk. Or your up burger to, and your next burger. Your burger and your next burger. That's very true. You could then walk up to the world. It's a Put your, your cents in or your euros in, select a song, you've then got the experience there. It, it's also a nice wow factor when you're walking. Once you've uh, walked in to the uh, the diner, you can see it on the left-hand side and it just lights up and lights up my smile on my face. <laughs> um, talking about presentation and how the theme's presented, I didn't talk about how the food presented. Um, it comes in a little basket. Uh, so kind of your burger and your salad and your fries are all together in this little basket. Maybe is a little bit harder to eat than if you were on a, say for example, a Tanette's diner and you have a nice plate and you've got space to move things around. Um, but again, it's authentic. It's kind of simple, isn't it? They don't. Have, there's no washing up to do. There's no pots. Basically, these plastic baskets have got the paper in. The burger and the fries are on the paper. When you're done, paper goes in the bin. The little plastic basket will get washed. That's straight back out there. It's just really simple, um, and uh, you got then you've got the cardboard uh, for your drinks, or you've got uh, you can have glass as well or bottles. So it is very simple, and for people to big it up like me so much, um, it just surprises me every time that how simple things are from the way it's cooked to the way it's presented. So when they serve this up, do they serve up the burger with all of the trimmings inside of it, or say do they? Do they like leave the pickles or whatever on the side, just just in case you want to leave those? Um, I believe. You know, depend. I think it changes every time. It depends who's working there at the time. But from my experience, the vegetables, pickles, and everything like that are on the side. You've then got the burger. You then have the fries. So if you want to put all the the red onion and the cabbage and well, let cabbage and the lettuce and the tomato and stuff in the burger, you choose to do that. And of course, if you want to put the fries in as well. Oh yeah, just stack it all up. And if and you want coke while you're there. <laughs> if you want to order two burgers, just stack it up, make a, dub, uh, a four <laughs> quadruple burger. 
Um, you've also got this little table um, placemat, which has a nice little uh, history of the uh, the cantina, the diner. Um, you've got that on there as well. So it's got a few pictures, explains the stuntman theme behind it, and just gives you a nice little thing to read as well while you're, again, sitting there, taking in the atmosphere and the theme. Um, above the little booths, you've got nice little um, curtains, and above them, uh, before you've got the nice stainless steel roof, you've got little pictures of stuntmen doing their thing, um, moving around on their motorbikes, doing different things. So it just, again, the theme's subtle, and not in your face, but it is there, and you can take a look around and see little bits uh, in there as well. Yeah, they've definitely prioritised making it a kind of authentic '50s feeling place, rather than rather than pushing the kind of "oh, this is a studio" kind of feel. Yeah, no, which I mean to be honest, maybe maybe partly partly goes for all of the theming in the studios park. They've just forgotten it's a studio. <laughs> maybe, but obviously, if it was the stuntman's cafe. Then be like oily bum prints on the the seats and uh, like mud <laughs> and dirt and stuff on the floor. Because obviously you don't want that to be as that authentic as as it could be. But um... well, particularly when you can see the food being cooked, you don't want no no oily greasy hands going on. No, you don't want to be seeing them park up the motorbike, wipe their hands on the bum, and then put their hands on the spatula and flick a burger. <laughs> Because they, they come off the uh, they come off the film set straight into the cafe, straight behind on behind the counter into the kitchen area, and flip a burger. As you do when you're a stuntman, you cook your own burgers. You could probably do it on the engine. <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be a cool feature. When we get on to the the future of this, that's that's a good idea. There we go. Bring in bring that's in the motorbikes. That's what we could do. I like it. Now from the outside, now I'm not going to lie. The first few times I went to Disneyland Paris. I didn't know it was there. It was only until I kind of did join the community and looked into things on social media or on websites in a lot more detail and studied the maps because I was a bit of a crazy little geek like that, just looking to see what was there and what I hadn't tried before. Because um, you're not going to find it really unless you go looking for it. I kind of like you said before, it, it could just be a part of the the set or the theming of the Walt Disney Studios Park. Um, but it's kind of hidden behind Tower of Terror, uh, next to Armageddon, uh, in front of um, the Motors Action. So unless you're going to Motors Action or walking past there to go to uh, Rock and Roller Coaster then you're not going to really see it or know it, are you, really? Yeah, realistically, I mean, it's in an awful place. Um, normally, when you're when you're designing a theme park, if you want to have a restaurant or anything that you want people to go to, you put it in a nice, obvious place. Um, but, I mean, behind Tower of Terror? Obviously, Tower of Terror wasn't there when, when it was put there, but Tower of Terror was still planned to go there. So, it's. I mean, it's always been a kind of sideshow of an event. And equally, it's not... To be honest, it's not overly visible when you're walking anywhere to be honest because it's not if you were if you're you know leaving studio one and heading straight to motors action which is right at the end of backlot then you still have to kind of detour off to the right to go and find cascadours so yeah it's it's not one that most people would come across although that's probably a good thing given that it's not the biggest restaurant in the world no now i can mention this the, the, there is a seating area outside but again i've never seen it in action and i don't well, go on sorry if you had the the motorbike barbecue engine idea, then that's that's an outdoor barbecue, isn't it? There we go. That's the future sorted right there. <laughs> you don't eat sitting inside. But I I don't think the burger would taste the same if it was outside on the table. 
if you know you what I mean. think it wouldn't be the same? Mm, I think part of it is the fact that it is the diner. And it, it's about it, the ambiance. It's the ambiance. That's how we're French again. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the whole, the world, it's uh, the music, the fact that it is quite small and compact, but then it's not busy and full. It's just nice and relaxed and you can see the, I think everything together makes it the best burger. Yeah. Um, so if you, so I mean, we talked about this, this brochure that's available online for, uh, for the O'Mahoney's yeah. diners. There were bigger ones available. Um, the uh, the one that we have today is, you know, it was, I guess, kind of medium sized by by their standards. But there yeah. were some really huge ones. Obviously, in terms of you know economies of scale, it would be much better for the park if they had a massive diner. Do you think it would make a difference? Do you think it would be better to have a bigger one, or maybe worse if you want it to be a bit more intimate? I think it's perfect as it is. If because obviously a net diner, <laughs> a net diner is the same kind of style isn't it the theme in it's obviously not a stuntman cafe but it's kind of that era and you've got mm-hmm. people on rollerblades and the kind of jukebox, the neon lights yeah, that kind of thing the jukebox music and the, the there is shiny silver plating in certain areas of and, and it's diner and that is massive now the atmosphere there's nice but it doesn't feel like it would really feel whereas because this has basically been plonked from germany from sorry from america via germany it kind of just feel it is authentic, so didn't didn't have to like I said at the start didn't have to do anything to it really. It's, this is the authentic place. So if it, if for example there was a, a like a, a building behind this that you could walk into and it was themed similar way, but you could kind of tell that you weren't inside the actual diner itself, that would take away from it completely, and I think it would affect the taste of the product. Because mm-hmm. you do eat with your eyes, like they say, don't you? I know it, it, normally you're talking about the actual looking at the food, um, but the atmosphere, I believe, anywhere, does add to the taste of the burger. Well, they say that uh, taste is 70% smell, so maybe the other 30% is actually just looking around. So what I really like is motorbike engines and oil. <laughs> the smell of leather from a stuntman. <laughs> That's what makes the burger taste nice. Um, yeah, the outside, it's all silver. Probably it's not won't be aluminium or aluminium, but it's... Uh, that kind of effect, nice and shiny. You've got the neon lights, it's massive. We say you can't see it, but there is a really big neon sign that says Cafe de Cascadeurs with a motorbike on it and a big menu on the start on the stand. So, yeah, that's true, that is quite visible. Now, obviously, the park's normally not open when it's dark, and the cafe definitely won't be open when it's dark. But when I've seen pictures of it in the evening time with the neon lights on, it stands out even more. It's really, really nice. It just looks the part as well it does look out of place but the way they've put it in between the plants and the trees and they've set it back a little bit uh, they have kind of also painted on the floor kind of like um parking bays for cars or motorbikes obviously they're not to scale because they are quite small um just to kind of add a little bit more and not to make it too tarmacky and concretey like the rest of walt disney studios park mm. i mean it's a it's a funny one because it's it's theming is so in and of itself authentic and real and yet it's kind of amongst nothing else of its era particularly yeah it's it's like it stands like a a sore thumb especially when you look across the way now and you've got um lightning mcqueen from cars he's he's now parked there for for photo opportunities so it does stand out a little bit obviously it does fit in stunt cars now he's, he's he's in the show a little bit but yeah, it doesn't really match together very well. But 
I can't say much more really. The entrance is still the same as the original entrance. You're kind of up the side, uh, going up some little stairs. Like I said before, um, I have queued out there outside there before, but uh, before getting a seat and going in to the main diner. Um, it's just so shiny and nice. Now opening times, it's uh, always had a history of being the attraction, that, well not the attraction, of the restaurant and the eatery that you'll probably be never see open um, and you'll be lucky to get it when it's open. Now we're lucky enough to have a copy of the uh, hours, of the opening hours from January, February and March 2019. Now if you're listening to this as soon as I release it, hopefully tomorrow which is the 5th of January, then it is open from half past 11 until five o'clock so that's the saturday and the sunday so that's the fifth and the sixth it then is closed for the rest of january so if you're going anytime soon unlucky um it then apparently reopens now this is obviously this can change but on uh the 9th and the 10th of february i believe it's open again from this time 12 o'clock until five o'clock so you've got a five-hour window there where you could possibly see it. And then from the 16th of February, which is obviously when it starts to get busy again for uh, half-term holidays and stuff like that, you've then got it open from 12 till 5 for the rest of February. And then in... It's just, I don't know if anyone's finding this useful. And then all the way in March until the 10th of March, it's open till... Then it's closed again. And then it opens again, and it's open at weekends. And it looks like that could be the way it's going for the time being. Unless you believe the rumours that are coming out of Disneyland Paris at the moment, which are that that whole end of backlot are going to be shut down very, very soon. I think April time. And that's when they're going to start redeveloping and turning everything, as we discussed a few episodes ago in our Walt Disney Studios Park refurbishment podcast episode. Uh, that's when they're going to start looking at doing... Um, Armageddon, which apparently is closing, and you've then got the uh, stunt show, which will be closing for a while, and you've got Rock and Roller Coaster with Aerosmith, which will be changing to an Iron Man attraction, apparently. So who knows what's going to happen to poor old Café de Cascadeurs? It could, obviously, knowing there's a like a there's a path, isn't there? You can walk past it and round the side of the Tower of Terror. So there is a re- there is a um, possibility that they could keep that bit open unless they are planning on removing my good old little cafe de cascadeurs forever yeah i mean it's it's to be honest i can't imagine it would get in the way of any access to things or it could get in the way of access to armageddon maybe um but to be honest it's possible that it could uh it could stay open uh the resort's being very cagey about what its plans are for closing bits and bobs in that area they've they've you know obviously they've released the concept art that shows it being really quite different um so i mean at some point it's going to have to close for some major work to be done to it anyway we'll we'll talk about what we think is going to happen in a little bit yeah so it, you will you you have still got a chance to uh, get there so not really much in january but in february and march you've still got plenty of opportunities to hopefully uh, grab a seat at the Café de Cascadeurs and try one of the burgers. If you don't like burgers, I don't recommend you go. <laughs> um, and one of the sections I've put on here before we start talking about the future of Café de Cascadeurs is what is the food like versus other outlets slash restaurants. Now, we've kind of covered that already, and the fact that you have never eaten a burger from there means it's going to be a very one-sided argument because you've got nothing to, like, come back at me with <laughs> but um, <laughs> like I mentioned five guys 
if I'm being very, very honest, taste-wise, they probably are... I can't pick a winner, really. Um, like I said before, the theming and the fact that I'm in Disneyland Paris does help the fact that Café de Cascadeurs ends up as the best burger. But if we battle it against the other restaurants in the parks, then uh, that's, it's definitely a hands-down winner. Um, I haven't tried it at Five Guys at uh, Disney Village, but definitely at Planet Hollywood, definitely at Annette's Diner, um, just because it's like you can get definitely you can, you can get crazier burgers with different fillings in Annette's Diner and other restaurants around the parks, but this one, is again, because it's so simple, just so nice and tasty and fresh. The um, other, like you said, Hyperion Cafe, Hyperion, very, very standard, bog-standard fast food there. It doesn't even come close to beating um, Cafe de Cascadeurs, that one. Um, McDonald's, nice burger, but these, are, these burgers, the patties themselves, they aren't the thickest in the world, but they're definitely not those thin, flappy little paper ones that you get from McDonald's when you have to have, like, two double cheeseburgers just to make it look like one normal burger. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to go over every single restaurant I've ever been to, but uh, it definitely, uh, definitely is high on the the, the list. Um, definitely in Disneyland Paris, anywhere. Is Caf- is um, Hyperion Cafe still doing the Star Wars burgers? Because they had the black Darth Vader burger for a while. Uh, I, I can't mean, remember does... the answer to that one. I can't remember. So, that one. would you want franchises popping up in Cascadeurs? Oh no. Um, because that would mean, because it needs to be kept simple, and they, have, they haven't got the space to keep all the stock for all the different um, types of meals that they could serve, or the different types of burger or bun. So if they started having, I don't know, Avengers burgers or Star Wars burgers in there, uh, I think they would either have to go 100% the theme for that time, or they'd have to go 0%. Keep it simple. Keep it like simple, it. yeah. Because any restaurant you go to anywhere in the world, if they've got a menu more than far, far, like two sides, if it's like a booklet, then there's a problem. Normally. <laughs> a, because you can't choose, but B, because they obviously don't sell everything every single time, so how fresh is the ingredients, how often do they cook it, and it kind of goes on, and there's more and more things you could talk about there. Is there anything else we haven't mentioned? We've got the music on the world itself, we've got the food, we've got what it looks like, we've got the internal, we've got the external, we have the history. I don't think there's anything else we haven't covered. I'm sure there will be though, and I'll think about it when I'm listening back to this later on when I'm editing this podcast. Um, so let's go to the future. So uh, we've kind of hinted there that possibly in April, when we start seeing other things possibly becoming refurbished and changed into the Marvelized world. Do you think this may survive the major refurb? What are your honest opinions? Now, you don't, I don't mind if you ruin it for me and I start to cry. <laughs> what What are your honest opinions? Do you think that Café de Cascadeurs should be? And do you think it will be surviving? Um, I mean, I think it should be, but I'm, I'm pretty torn as to whether I think it will actually survive. Um, there's, a, there's a few reasons for this. Uh, obviously, I think it should stay mainly... Well, obviously, because the burgers are fantastic, you tell me. But also, it's really cool just to have things that have a bit of genuine history to them. Because um, that, that adds a nice bit of authenticity to it. But there's, I mean, to be honest, there's a few problems with it. First one being the size. Um, the Studios Park is going to double, maybe triple in size. Certainly in terms of footprint, but also in terms of attractions and what's going to be available. They're going to be expecting a lot more guests coming into the park. And Cascadeurs as a restaurant... I mean, it's it's tiny. It's not going to have the kind of capacity that 
that they'll want from a really big park. Second off, the Marvel area, initially when, when rumours were coming about, talking about what a Marvel area might be like, there was thoughts of, oh, well, okay, it, it could go towards a kind of, obviously it would be very American, um, so there's there's good chances for things like Cascadeurs, a nice 50s theme popping up somewhere, but we've got the concept art now, it's very futuristic, it's all very sort of sleek and, you know, big blocks of colours, yeah, I, 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 it's difficult to see how a 1950s old diner could fit in. I mean, there's possibilities in there. I mean, obviously, you could kind of... If you had a kind of corner that had lots of, like, retro uh, memorabilia in it... I mean, I don't I don't follow Marvel particularly. Um, Captain America, he's kind of retro, right? So maybe he'd have a little area that would have some retro things in it. Uh, but it's it's difficult to see it really fitting the theme. Then you could talk about, well, is it going to move somewhere else? I can't see it moving to Disney Village, particularly because you've already got Annette's there, so what would be the point in putting a, a small-capacity diner in? Equally, if they retheme it to a boardwalk, uh, American boardwalk, like some rumours are starting to suggest, does, a, does an American diner really fit with that? Mm, not really. And then you've got, well, could you just move it to the entrance of the park somewhere, in somewhere that's still keeping that kind of idea that, it's glamorizing the movies and the world of making cinema, but that's got quite a heavy 1920s theme to it. So putting in a 50s diner, you could squeeze it in, but it wouldn't be a perfect fit. So considering it's not a high capacity, it's not a high capacity restaurant, I could imagine it could hit the cutting room floor. No. <laughs> Sorry, um, Andrew. If I'm being honest, I've, would be surprised to see it survive. Um, the whole of the studios park is, like you said, it's going to totally change. It's not going to be the, it's not going to be anywhere near the same as it is now. Um, I think the rumours are that the only original attraction that's going to stay the same is the Aladdin um, genie's flying carpets ride. That could, oh, that's a classic. That could be the only attraction that actually stays anywhere near the same. Obviously, Tower of Terror could that change in the future? Who knows? There's been different uh, opinions and arguments on that over a while now. But it's going to be totally different. And obviously things need to change. In some ways, it might actually be really... Well, not good. But if it was to happen and the Café Cascadeurs was to shut down, wasn't to relocate, um, I didn't win the lottery and I couldn't buy it. It'd be one of those things, kind of, you start a Café de Can... Look, I'm saying it now. Café de Cascadeurs uh, fan club... Uh, get some badges made, get some t-shirts. I was there for the Café de Cascadere era. Um, kind of makes it unique that you managed to actually get there when it was open. You actually remember what it tasted like. Um, so it could actually be quite a little badge of honour to say you've actually eaten there. So being selfish, and now I've been there a few times and you haven't, I could say, I don't mind if it shuts because I've been. Nah, 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 nah. See, I thought you were going to say <laughs> you could, uh, if it was going to shut, you'd get everyone together and crowdsource the money to buy it no that's a better idea why didn't i think there we go there we go hashtag save cafe de cascade (laughs) we haven't asked anybody a question yet so can we think of a what question could we ask them what kind of what snappy catchphrase or hashtag could we create to save cafe de cascade it could just be save c d c yeah we'll we'll roll with that i guess the question then is um do you have the money to save it please thank you that's a very good point. Now, just before we press record, I was just flicking through Twitter 
And um, the people who, the couple that have won the uh, Euro Millions just recently, a fake account has appeared on Twitter, and people are asked, like tweeting them, asking for mil- for millions of pounds. And because I think they said that they've got a list of fifty people who their friends and family, um, and they're going to give like millions of pounds away to each of them. And um, they've obviously this a fake account's been set up, and it's tweeting people randomly saying, "You've won one million pound, congratulations." So who knows? We might be able to tweet them. We'll be able to get some money off the uh, Euro Millions winner. And uh, I mean, you came up with a business venture earlier that that needed it. So there we go. I mean, this could make them even more money. If anybody out there would like to write a business plan that includes Stunt Show and Cafe de Cascade uh, moving diner, there we go. There's a niche in the market for that somewhere. To be fair, there are there are travelling roller coasters that go around the place. So they're famous. Why don't we have, you know, travelling diners with stunt shows? Yeah, isn't Indiana Jones supposed to be a travelling roller coaster? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I made, have I made that up? I don't know. It's, it might be one of those things that's kind of. It's not meant to move often, but <laughs> I mean, it's got it, you know, it's got a small footprint for it. Anyway, we'll anyway. talk about that another time. Another time, yes. So yeah, will it survive the major refurb? It's not going to be touched in the refurb, but it might be taken away and never seen again. That's my opinion. Um, will it move location? It, could it work somewhere else? Who knows? Obviously, it's going to be... What is it? Studios Park's going to have very big, different uh, themed areas. So you're going to have a... St- when you're walking down that path and you've got the lake, you're going to go off to the left-hand side and you're going to have the Star Wars land. You're then going to go in front of you and you've got the Frozen land. You've then got the Marvel-themed area. You've then got a random area which has Aladdin's flying carpets. So why could it could potentially be moved to in the woods on another side of the lake, which has no theming, which is just <laughs> kind of randomly put there because that's going to be that kind of side of the lake, isn't it? Toontown area where Ratatouille is. You've got Ratatouille, then you've got Aladdin. You've... So why couldn't you have a Café de Cascadeurs um, diner located there? potential i mean maybe maybe it could be redone as if it's a toy diner maybe maybe and you're a little toy in a in a woods and you go into diner i mean it's not a great storyline coming together but you never (laughs) know to be fair i mean this this lake that they want to build um you know assuming the footprints haven't been shrunk i mean it's going to be absolutely huge and there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of empty space around it so i mean you know, you don't chuck something if you could still use it somewhere else, right? Could we have it as a floating diner? I mean, that would be really cool, wouldn't on it? On the lake? Yeah. Well, then you'd have, like, seated, you know, like, timed dining or whatever. Yeah. So it, it docks, everyone gets on, and then you go off, you have, like, a you have three-course burger meal of your, your beef burger, your chicken burger, and your vegetable cake. <laughs> and then you come back, it, you know, it docks and changes over. The customers. Now it could be a character um, floating diner as well, because you could then have the Stig from Top Gear. You could have him tied in. <laughs> Get a, they like to buy IPs. We can buy that IP. Yeah, and then, and then he's he's doing like jumps in a water ski over there. He does that first, and then he climbs aboard. Get a picture of him, and he drips all the water and oil into your burger. He wipes his oily bum and then cooks <laughs> your burger. <laughs> there we go. We've sorted it. Disneyland Paris. Put it on a barge. Put it on the lake. There you go, vegetable cake. And then projection map onto it. 
Now, I was going to say, there's, there's a big question mark on projection mapping. Obviously, if it's going to stay the way it is, you don't want to change anything of it, really. Maybe it needs a bit of a clean-up on the outside, uh, but I don't think there's anything you could do to projection map it. You could projection map some silhouettes of some stuntmen on motorbikes, if it was nighttime, I suppose. Like, going past the windows, maybe, something like that. But I don't think we need to go much projection mapping on that one, apart from... If it's on the lake, it'll obviously be part of the nighttime spectacular on the lake with the fireworks. Um, you could projection map onto the frozen Elsa's castle, what's going to be in the background, a massive stuntman and a big sign that comes on saying Café de Cascadeurs, floating diner, burger, eat me. Just as simple, <laughs> just as, simple as that. <laughs> and that is the show. That's all it is. <laughs> Some, uh, some reflections eat your heart out. <laughs> somebody bites into the burger on the projection mapped um, burger, and then fireworks come out the side, which is kind of like the the mayonnaise or the burger sauce flying out at each side. It's like a, it's like a massive advert for burgers at Disney, really, isn't it? So every everyone goes to the nighttime show, and you know they've had they've had their dinner, you know, three or four hours ago, and they're watching this burger show, and they're thinking, you know, what I could really do with right now a burger, and then. Everyone goes off and buys burgers at 11pm. Perfect. Well, oh, they don't because it's not open again. Um, and the time that it was open, they didn't go to it because they didn't know it was open. Yeah, that'll make them feel bad, won't it? <laughs> that'll um, teach people like me a lesson. Now, I know a lot of people who have sent us opinions have talked about what theming they could potentially uh, or would like to see on Café de Cascadeurs in the future if it was to stay uh, or relocate so I'm not going to kind of discuss that myself really I haven't got really any idea like I've said before uh, I, I have watched some Marvel and now Noah's playing Lego Marvel on the PlayStation I do know a lot more about Marvel Universe now um, but st- I am interested in it and I do like it and I will enjoy uh, going to the parks when it's there but I don't really know how you could theme it around that people are saying you've got Coulson who's one of the um, one of the agents from Marvel um, and he could potentially uh, have his diner theme to him. Uh, Star Wars, you could maybe have. I know it's it's called the, the Cantina, isn't it? But it doesn't look anything like a diner. <laughs> but could you have a a really weird Cantina style diner? Who knows? To be fair, there's. I mean, if they accidentally trashed it during the refurb, then you know, Jakku. Uh, Tatooine, they've, they've got some like metallic junky things knocking around, true. or um, who are the, the little the little tiny creatures in hoodies that have little little beady eyes that sell junk to each other they could, they're called they could the, have taken over cascadeurs. They're the bad children that were excluded from the school and uh, <laughs> we don't want them back They're the naughty padder ones <laughs> The um what about Frozen? You could just spray it in loads of fake ice and snow yeah. and just say yeah. it was taken over and there's some kind of time dimension break in the time continuum or something. Then, And, uh, yeah, it's gone from the CGI world into the real world. Yeah, oh. and, I mean, it's 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 been to America, it's been to Germany, it's been to Paris, so you can go to Norway. Perfectly fine. Yudley. <laughs> <laughs> um that is I think that's Alpine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, some of my ancestors were originally from Norway a long, long time ago, so that's uh, it's okay. Well, I'm, it's against my own people. It's fine. 
they're, they're grave now. Um, before we go on to the listeners' opinions, uh, there was one fact that I wanted to remind people of that I completely forgot about myself, and I haven't even tried it out. Um, apparently, the motorbike that's outside with the sidecar, if you go to the back of that sidecar, um, there's a few of these around, these little interactive secrets. Um, the first one, I'm going to, before I tell you what this one is, uh, if you're in um, Studio One, in Walt Disney Studios, now this doesn't always work, but towards, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but the fast food joint that's there, uh, there's like a big lighting desk, well, kind of old-fashioned lighting desk in a silver ca- uh, flight case. If you move the sliders and touch the buttons on there, you do interact with the lights sometimes when it's turned on in the studios, um, in Studio One. And I remember a few times I've ended up with egg on my face because I've said to people, go and touch that button, move that slider, and they do it. And they're like, nothing happens here. Uh, but then a few other times I've been and people have moved the slider and you can see uh, spotlights changing and floodlights are changing the colours on the walls. But anyway, back to Café de Cascadeur. At the back of the motorbike and the trailer you've got a little toolbox if you open the lid there's actually tools in there but you can hear the sound effect of different tools and noises uh, of people like working with tools and stuff like that from the stunt show uh, if you close it i think it only lasts for a few seconds but it's kind of just a nice little interactive touch that people don't know normally know about now hopefully it still works or else i'm gonna look stupid now aren't i or maybe not <laughs> <laughs> i thought you'd gone for a minute then I was panicking. No, works, it works every time, Andrew. works every time. <laughs> of course it does. Uh, let's go on to the tweets. Um, not going to lie, it was a long, long time ago when we asked for this information. So if you remember tweeting this, then congratulations. Well done. Um, the first one, Sebastian Perelaz. No, wait a minute. Sebastian Perelaz. That'll do, mate. Uh, the only thing I fear about the huge expansion of the park is that this beloved cafe doesn't fit anymore if the stunt show is gone. Like we mentioned before, if you didn't know already, it's about a stunt show. It's stunt show cafe, stuntman cafe. Like we said before, the story kind of fits together at the moment, kind of. So if it was to go, the stunt show, and it was something else, some Marvel stunt show, would it still work the same? Maybe with a couple of tweaks, but probably not. I mean, I think realistically, it would only need a name change. There's nothing else about it that uh, that is specifically about stunts. So That's true. change the name to... Cafe Marvel. Cafe de... Yeah, Cafe de Marvel, yeah. <laughs> Job done. Easy peasy. Cafe Next de... From... Sorry, where, where, where? Cafe de... Well, I... This is... It's <laughs> not even worth it now. Cafe de... I... Cafe de Iron Man flying. That's... <laughs> I don't even know where I am. No. We'll scrap that bit. We'll scrap that bit. Go on. <laughs> Next. Next tweet's from John Joe at John Joe uh, underscore 42. He says, Great Diner, the oldest restaurant in any of the Disney parks worldwide, a true piece of Americana history. I hope it survives the Walt Disney Studios park expansion. Yeah, I forgot that fact as well. The two most, imp- well, the one most important fact, I think we did mention that it being the oldest or part of the oldest theming or anything like that, but yeah, it's the oldest restaurant uh, in any of the Disney parks worldwide. Um, I'm not sure about how old it is as a prop or as a piece of scenery or anything like that, but uh, it's definitely the oldest restaurant that's ever in use in any Disney park. So it's a nice little bit of trivia there that you can uh, impress people with if you manage to find the doors of Café de Cascadeurs open. DLP Outpost, at DLP Outpost on Twitter. I hope it stays. I think it still fits in an Iron Man setting. Just change the name. Definitely don't change it to Café de Iron Man Flying or anything like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Sydney Sharing at uh, Donabol DLP Outpost says they'll add shawarma to the menu and change the name to Stan's Authentic Hero Diner. Now, when I when I uh, looked at this before, a little shed, shed a little tear because obviously when we uh, asked for this information, uh, when Sydney sent us his tweet in, Stan would have been alive still, um, and sadly he's not with us anymore. So it would actually be quite a nice little nod to Stanley, wouldn't it, if. Uh, they did change the name to Stan's Authentic Diner and uh, put in some photos, some um, like memorabilia to do with Stanley. What do you think? Make like I a think comic book kind of style, maybe? I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, comic book and memorabilia would really fit with a kind of 1950s diner. It's that's It's got that same kind of feel to it. So, yeah, no. I, I, I mean, also, Stanley's comics always like to kind of hark back to to old retro things anyway yeah no I, I think that's quite a cracking idea would be a really nice tribute um again though you get you get that kind of difficulty arise of well that that gets really meta then if you have a marvel world that's meant to be in marvel rather than as it currently would be a studio making a film that's marvel so yeah. stan lee would really fit there but once you're you know, once you're trying to create an immersive world, it would get really meta then. <laughs> but obviously, Stanley has all the cameos in a lot of the films, so it could be his cameo in the real world of Marvel rather than it being the studio version of Marvel, if you know what I mean. There we go. Um, Jelle Petes. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. I want to eat there so bad, but it has never been open when I was in DLP. Hopefully, I get to a chance on my next visit. And hopefully you'll let us know, if you're not too embarrassed by the way I've said your name, um, have you managed to visit it yet? Let us know. Uh, hopefully that's changed and you can then tell us your opinions. Did you like it or not? Yeah, there we go. I think that's probably a better podcast question coming out there. <laughs> um, just just to remember to tweet to at MagicalDLP whenever you, you go to Disneyland and you go to Café de Cascadeurs. Send us some pictures. Tell us, tell us what you think of the burger, the burger or the burger, and, and you know... We'll share it around. The burger, the burger, or the burger. Anything else, don't bother tweeting us. Yeah, if you if you send the Caesar salad, we will not be happy. <laughs> Go on, last tweet. Uh, and finally from Christina KB at Christina KB17. We didn't have a chance to eat there when we visited, uh, but a question. In the northeast United States, actual old little diners like this are still operating and are somewhat common. Are those common in Europe, or is this part of the appeal? Now, well, I guess. Go on. Yeah, I mean, I guess the story of uh, of the diner actually sort of answers that in and of itself. I mean, it would have been taken to Ireland and Germany uh, to be the first the first American diner in Germany if uh, if there wasn't, you know, that that kind of uh, yeah, it's a kind of niche appeal thing, isn't it? You know, we don't have American diners outside of America. So yeah, no, I think I think the appeal does come from them being quite rare. Mind you, a few more things do obviously follow the kind of 50s diner theme now you've got five guys you've got an Etz in in disney village so it's not totally rare but i mean as you've said earlier the the thing that makes it unique is that it is its own little little restaurant in and of itself yeah now it like you said five guides uh, you've got eddie's diner well eddie's diner i think which is closed down now but they, they're, they're all there is a market there for american diners like this now they're always in a modern 
industrial place or a modern shopping precinct a shopping mall or something so and they've they've got the same shape as the new look and the hmvs and whatever the shops are they probably have closed down by the time we've released this podcast <laughs> <laughs> they all have the same base and the same template whereas this it's the reason why this is working so well there's i don't see well i've never been into a diner like a traditional american diner like this before like a trailer kind of vibe um, never have, probably never will again. So that's the kind of, that's, I think that's why it works so well. So even in Europe, these, like, I think they said there was only 20, I think I read somewhere there's 20 of these diners left in America. So for one of these to be in Disneyland Paris, that's very good. And uh, there's definitely probably less than five in Europe uh, of the same quality. So for a historical point of view, um, as a history student, Simon, I'm sure you would want to keep this for history's sake. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you're, you're right to point out that it does make it does make a really big difference that, you know, it's it's an actual diner car. It's a bit like on Thunder Mountain. It makes a massive difference that you go to an island. I mean, you're still on a on a roller coaster. But, you know, the, the fact that the theming is so complete just gives it that extra that extra spark that, yeah, as you say, you know, Otherwise, you could you could be in a diner in HMV for all you know. <laughs> oh, HMV. The uh, <laughs> of, uh, while we're on the uh, Twitter section, I want to say thank you to DLP Celebration uh, on Twitter. So at DLP Celebration, the um, they've just been at Disneyland Paris very very recently for the New Year celebrations, and I don't know if you've seen these, Simon. The amount of images we were sent and tagged in on Twitter from Café de Cascadeurs. So uh, DLP Celebration managed to find it open. We've got pictures of people's bums on stools. <laughs> so <laughs> very good. We've got a picture. It looks like it's went down the back of the uh, the diner. Pardon me. Went down the back of the, down the, back of the diner um, into some kind of bushes there. <laughs> the um, So we've got bums and bushes so we've got far. got bums and bushes. More bums. Nice uh, picture of the table there with the setting. One thing I didn't mention was the cutlery. Cut, look, I would say that knife and fork. The knife and fork was uh, plastic, which again makes it dinery takeaway. Does kind of make it that kind of theme. Um, but again, keeping it simple. Like I said before, burger, burger, in, out. That's all you need. <laughs> but thank you DLP Celebration for the images it was nice uh, they tagged us in them on Twitter like you can do and uh, my, uh, this, this would actually be a nice tech, this would be a nice thing for the uh, website wouldn't it uh, or a gallery on Twitter or Instagram or something the Café de Cascadeur gallery yeah I think so I think this is this is our niche subject now and well I hope you're going to get there at some point before it shuts down in the next two weeks <laughs> or, <laughs> or months or whatever it is now I'll be off tomorrow I hope you are. Right, emails. Um, I, do, I should always practice these names, especially when we've got such a European audience, but here we go. I'm just going to call him Mike. Mike van der Neuenwilhofen. No? What? No. Neuvenhof? New, hey, why don't you say these now? I'm embarrassed myself now. <laughs> say, say his surname again. Neuvenhof? I, 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 I don't speak Dutch. Mike van der Neuvenhof. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. What, hello, Mike. Um, I hope that it will remain and maybe transform into something like Agent Phil Coulson's dinner. Diner. Wait a minute, I'll do that whole one again. <laughs> I hope that it will remain and transform into something like Agent Phil Coulson's diner or a diner Iron Man theme like the donut shop scene in Iron Man 2. Donuts. 
could be uh, something that we need to include. Um, something he hasn't mentioned, good old Mike, is uh, milkshakes. I know a lot of people uh, talk about milkshakes um, on Twitter. It's not available to buy currently. What do you think about that? Oh, I mean, you've got a diner. You've got to have milkshakes, haven't you? Yeah. Although, back to back to the donut thing. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Could you, could you have a donut burger? Ooh. Just a donut, but slice through the middle. Don't bother with the jam or whatever. Shove your burger fillings in. You could, instead of having the uh, nice brioche style tea cakey, oh, well, I shouldn't say tea cake, that's a northern thing, um, bun. <laughs> we, um, you, I've yeah, never you, heard a burger described as like a tea cake before. <laughs> you could have a, a like I say, like a donut or a bagley style, style kind of bun, couldn't you? There you are, yeah, that's a full out Americana. You could just have three donuts, one for starters, with like the salad in it, seed salad. You've then got. <laughs> The burger, they've got the burger donut, and you've got the Ben and Jerry's ice cream Nutella donut. Oh, I'd eat that. I mean, I don't know about the Caesar salad one, but... And then if you if you want to do the Café de Cascadeur challenge, or in this case it would be Agent Phil Coulson's or Iron Man's challenge, you've then got to stack all three donuts together and have your main, your starter, and your pudding, dessert, all in one go. One mouthful. And you get it for free. <laughs> Now, even though I embarrassed myself, I apologise, Mike. Um, if you want to record you or you saying your name and send it to me, I'll hopefully learn that for next time. If you want to send us something, and if you're not, if we haven't traumatised you enough with the way I pronounced your name, um, but you've got the easy name next. Yeah, so our next email is from Luke Breen, who, as always, has sent us. Uh, to be honest, we should really be publishing Luke's emails just as standout like articles. For themselves. It saves us time having to write anything, which we never do. It would indeed. Righto, so Luke says, Hey guys, back once again with my quick thoughts on Café de Cascadours. One of my most overlooked and forgotten about aspects, one of the most overlooked and forgotten about aspects anywhere in Disneyland Paris. I myself haven't given much thought to Café de Cascadours until very recently. Tucked away in backlog between Armageddon and Motors Action, the restaurant has always been fighting an uphill battle for popularity. Its small capacity and location gives it no ground for envy from any of the other eateries in Walt Disney Studios Park. What it lacks in practicability, however, it more than makes up for in taste. I experienced Café de Cascadours for the first time in my recent June 2018 trip after many recommendations from friends including our very own Andrew. I was certainly interested to see what all the fuss was about, especially with their burgers. Now I understand the hype. Cascadeurs easily has the best burgers in all of Disneyland Paris and somewhere that will no doubt become a regular spot for me in future trips. While the resort has never been one that's excelled in the fast food snacks, weighing up the restaurant's menu against Disney Village's world brands and old favourites like Five Guys, McDonald's, Annette's, the classic diner's beef still comes out on top. The burger I had on my first trip to Cascadeurs was melt-in-your-mouth sort of good, cooked to perfection and leaving me eager to visit once again. Mm. I'm also a big fan of the meal's sides being present on the side, giving you the choice to add it to your burger, should you wish, rather than being forced to scrape it off the bat. A big plus for fussy eaters. Indeed, the restaurant's small footprint only enhances the experience for me, especially when you know the diner's history. There's no doubt you already went through. The fact that Cascadeurs was an actual American trailer diner is a level of authenticity you don't normally get anywhere else in a Disney park. The tightly packed interior and classic American furnishings scream out history and character. Being able to watch your meal being cooked and prepared is always a nice touch too, even if it's just out of practicality. 
as Marvel shows, as Marvel slowly begins to make its way into backlot and completely transforms the area, Café de Cascadeurs is the sole feature I would I would uh, miss if it was facing the scrap heap. I'd be gutted if the restaurant disappeared from the resort as a whole. I don't think a Marvel retheme would be appropriate or even fit with the style Imagineers were intending with the future Marvel land, so should they decide to keep the restaurant functioning, the only option would be to move it. Though this raises the question of where. My first idea was for the open space between Studio Theatre, that being where Cinemagique was, uh, and Stitch Live, the spot where Soren has long been rumoured for. It would certainly fit in the Hollywood theme that would stay in Production Courtyard, but it would end up putting Cascadeurs in jeopardy again should Marvel want to expand its way out to there as well. No, I feel the only realistic new home for Cascadeurs would be outside of both parks and into Disney Village. With its small size and the village's lack of central theme, it could nicely fit into any free space you could think of. That being said, it would be yet another restaurant in a place already oversaturated with locations to eat, including one very similar to it in Annette's. Perhaps some form of integration between the two restaurants would spell the would spell the fate of Cas- Caf- would spare the fate of Cafe de Cascadeurs and its menu. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the show. <laughs> We're looking forward to it so much as well. Two hours about burgers. <laughs> that Simon's never eaten before. <laughs> yeah, he obviously he said the only place he could go there was Disney Village. He obviously hasn't even thought about putting it on a, a lake on a boat. No, I can't. It's the obvious solution. I don't know why Luke's not thought of it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to go for every single paragraph of that email again because it was beautifully said. But he agrees with everything we've said, really. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. That means I'm I like. Go on, sorry. I really like the idea that you could sort of merge together Cascadeurs and Annette. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, I guess you wouldn't have one as a lunchtime and one as a dinner place. But I don't know, maybe if, if Cascadeurs became a kind of premium VIP area of Annette's or something, just sat outside. Because it would look cool next to it and then you'd still want to use it though, wouldn't you? It would be cool. Um, obviously... As the ambassador to Café de Cascadeur, alongside with uh, Jeff from DLP Town Square. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we could have some kind of 50% off voucher and uh, a, t- a table already there in case we want to use it whenever we want to. Like, <laughs> a VIP roped off area at the back. Just just keep the whole place for yourself, really. Well, there we go. Job done. When I'm travelling around the world, it's just going to travel to my town and back to your town. <laughs> And back again. That's all it's going to be. Up and down the motorway. We'll just we'll share it. That sounds good to me. I mean, I've heard the burgers there were really quite good. Has it been mentioned before? Mm, no, I'm just guessing at it. <laughs> right, Ella Caffrell. Uh, hello. I can't say I've ever been to Café de Cascadeurs. I think I walked past it once a couple of years ago. Me and my mum are vegetarian. My sister, this is where I have put a foot in it before at the start, didn't I, when I said um, about ve- vegetarians and vegans. Anyway, I apologise, Ella. Uh, me and my mum are vegetarian, my sister's vegan, and my brother doesn't like burgers. What? I realise that there is a vegetarian burger, but I'm a very fussy eater, so it has always pretty much been out of the question for us. Which, to be honest, is that's the case, isn't it? If you don't like burgers, isn't the place to go. Whoa, hang on. What's wrong with a vegetable cake? Come on. <laughs> well, it could be a dessert and your man, couldn't it, if it's a cake? However, a... what are you going to say? I was going to say in a donut. In a do- well, there we go. On a barge, right. on a lake. <laughs> with with the stick. However, <laughs> I think that the interesting question is what is going to happen to Café de Cascadeurs as a result of the WDS expansion. I'm assuming that they'll straight up close it and replace it with some shawarma. 
uh, place or something which uh, seats more people so it can make more money and also fits with the Marvel theme. Despite this, from what I've heard, Café de Cascadeurs is apparently really great, so I think that they should, uh, what they should do is put it in Studio One. I'm not talking about moving the trailer in there, but if they were to cordon off a small section of the place currently occupied by Restaurant Uncle's and serve the gourmet burgers there, that would make quite uh, work quite well, just to provide an a bit small amount of variety to the food that you can get in the park. The theming should be carried over as part of this. This, in my opinion, feeds into a wider debate about where they're going and what they're going to do with Studio One as a result of the WDS expansion. The Studio One, as the name would suggest, is still an adherent to the drop. It's a um, sorry, he's still an adherent to the dropped. It's a working studio theme, suggesting it would possibly get a refresh to fit with the new design ethos. However, as someone who really likes Studio One, I kind of hope that they keep it as it is. If the new ethos is Walt Disney Studios provides immersive experiences in the movies, Studio One would be a nice place to pay homage to the hard-working people who make the movies possible, including the stunt people. Also, if they wanted to bring back Cinemagic as part of this, I wouldn't be unhappy. Thanks, guys, and sorry that this is incredibly tangentile. Well, I don't think you can call it tangential to send in an email because I've just sat through this whole podcast and I've never been there either. <laughs> it's fine. We're in the same boat. We're in the exact same boat. Well, it could be a trailer boat with uh, burgers being served. <laughs> needs to be a T-shirt. I want Café de Cascadeurs on a barge. There we go. We'll, we'll get that poll trending on Twitter. We'll probably manage to uh, make it a bit catchier than that as well. <laughs> now, I haven't planned this on purpose, but if we're going... One for me, one for you, one for me, one for you. It's your turn again. Good luck. Excellent. Right, next up is Alan, who's at Cafe Fantasia on Twitter. Uh, As always, another massive email, but it's full of gems. Uh, Hi, Andrew and Simon. Hope you're both well. Bit of a short email this time, and by short, I mean long. But here are my thoughts and opinions about Cafe de Cascadeurs. First off, the burger. Café de Cascadeurs first came to my attention in April 2014 when, at 1929 Mickey, tweeted a very appealing photo of the restaurant's premium double beef burger. Previously, it hadn't appealed to me, but from that moment, I just knew I had to have that burger. Since then, I've eaten there twice, first time in September 2014, and more recently on my Inside Ears uh, trip back in May 2018. You you need to mention that bit that's in brackets. Come on, I was waiting for that bit. (laughs) Ah. <laughs> right, inside is. What's inside is? Wax. <laughs> I don't know why it just tickled me. Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't been yet, the main reason why you have to experience Café de Cascadeurs is the quality of the burgers. I'm not exaggerating when I say they're so good. In 20, uh, September 2014, I tweeted that the premium double beef burger at Café de Cascadeurs is the best burger I've ever had at Disneyland Paris. Of course, the title of best burger at Disneyland Paris doesn't necessarily mean it's good burger given the competition, but there you are. <laughs> and when Five Guys came to Disney Village in 2017, I was convinced that Café de Cascadeurs would lose that title. Sure enough, Five Guys burgers look like someone sat on them, but in terms of flavour, they're pretty unbeatable. So when I returned to Cascadeurs in 2018, admittedly I was sceptical, but after the first bite, I was genuinely impressed and immediately had to tweet the following. I've just had the premium beef burger here in Café de Cascadeurs. Wow, that was an exceptionally good burger. Better than five guys. Next up, onto the things that Alan really likes about Café de Cascadeurs. First off, how it's an open kitchen. You can see the two chefs cooking your food right in front of you. A cast compliment to the guys who cooked his premium beef burger to perfection. Hashtag cast pre- compliment. 
Oh, there we go. Hashtag I appreci- compliment. <laughs> do it again. That's twice now. <laughs> Are we? What? I mean, do they like have algorithms that can track the hashtag cast compliments in podcasts as well now? We'll soon find out because that's free of them now. Hashtag cast compliment. And also appreciating how the bottles of sauce, ketchup, mustard and mayonnaise are provided at every table, which, if you suffer from LSA like me, that being lacking sauce anxiety, is such a relief. Then there's the authentic uh, Wurlitzer, the real one, jukebox, which is fun to use. It's 50 cent for one song or a whole euro if you want three songs. And the music, being from the 50s and 60s, creates a really fun atmosphere. When Alan was there in May 2018, they were playing Happy Together by the Turtles, which, by the way, is song 805. But if you want that Back to the Future effect, try song 207, Angel Earth by the Penguins. Next on to the things that Alan is eh, not such a fan of. So one thing that Café de Cascadeurs is lacking is milkshakes. How can a 50s diner not have milkshakes? It's crazy. Even Victoria's home-style restaurant has them now. If she can make them, why can't Des? Then <laughs> there's that the opening hours are unpredictable. Even when you've carefully researched them, with the restaurant opening uh, often late in the schedules, Café de Cascadeurs is supposed to be open every day of August and September 2018, always opening at 12pm and shutting at 5pm. Does it? Did it? Did it's the question? Because it that's been and gone now. Did it? It has. It has. Yeah. Who's been Actually, tracking? Maybe, who's been that tracking have it? Been our podcast question. Did Cafe de Cascadeurs open every day between August and September? There we go. Right now it's on to Alan's top tips for Cafe de Cascadeurs. Due to the obviously limited capacity of the restaurant, you'll often encounter a queue to get seated so my advice is show up ridiculously early when i went in may 2018 i was there at 11 30 a.m with the doors due to open at 12 and at 11 58 a.m i was literally the first person into the restaurant results when you go in if there's just two of you they'll say at the bar please but probably with a french accent <laughs> but who wants to sit at the bar when there are all those comfortable booths available in may 2018 i immediately asked for a booth table so they sell us at the bar. Fail. But eventually, after asking again, they let me have it, probably to shut me up. So it just goes to show, pays to be persistent. Next up, Alan's ideas. There's no sign of Café de Cascadeurs on the multi-year expansion concept art. However, this doesn't necessarily mean it'll be removed. With a new Marvel area replacing the back lot, hopefully it can be rethemed into something that fits with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What if it was rethemed to a 1940s diner? Possibly as Tony Stark's gift to Captain America, a guy who was frozen in 1945 for 66 years, to give him something familiar to the modern day. It would create an interesting contrast to the rest of the land with its sort of futuristic industrial aesthetic. Or what if it was somehow transformed into Randy's Donuts, a landmark building in Inglewood, California, founded in 1953, as seen in Iron Man 2. Cover Guards, Alan, Cafe, Fantasia. P.S. I discovered that 56-minute documentary about the excellent diner on 8th of November 2014, before anyone else was tweeting about it. Yeah, and we'll be tweeting about it later on as well, when uh, we tell you that you can watch it. It's really useful. It does get a bit boring after a while, but it's a very, very interesting documentary, especially if you're a geek like me. Um, <laughs> I think we need to go through it section by section and see what we think about it. So yeah, you can't obviously agree with the burger, but I just love the fact that Alan... Uh, he, he must either have a really good organised brain where he can think I remember tweeting about that I remember it being May I remember it being that date because he remembers if you say to him uh, or if you tweet him about a certain thing and say oh this has happened have you seen it 
He'll say, I remember tweeting about that on June the 16th, 2001. And there you go, there's a link to the tweet. So whether it's our, I don't know how he organises it. In fact, I, mean, I, I think he I think he uses the search function on Twitter to find his old tweets. Search? So, no, I mean, no, search no, no. Function? He, no, he, he has a, a photographic memory of every tweet he's ever sent. Fact. Well, I'm a bit, a bit disappointed if it is just the search function. <laughs> Surely he needs to remember that he has mentioned it in the first place so he can then search for it. There I mean, it's a very good point. Sometimes he has managed to find tweets that I've posted and I didn't even know I posted them. So he's obviously got a memory of things that have been out there, whereas I haven't even got that memory. <laughs> um, but the fact, yeah, the fact that he's went to uh, Five Guys and came back again after being to Five Guys and, wow, that's the best burger ever. Um, it's just amazing. Exceptionally good burger is the quote. I think that can go on a T-shirt as well. Um, so he well, went... The- go on. The other thing to know about what Alan said is, of course, that going from 2014 to 2018, they've had a menu change because there's there's now no such thing as a double beef burger at Cascadours, which is quite disappointing. Um, but it's it's you know the burgers being dished up are still the best burgers. Yeah, it means you have to buy two of them, doesn't it? Which uh, you're not going to really spend thirty euros for one burger, really. <laughs> Although they are good. You could probably buy a few, take a nice box, put them in the deep freeze, take them back, cook them again when you get to England. Who knows? They won't taste the same, because obviously now, as we've discussed, you need the flavour and the the smells and the theme for the whole flavour, in my opinion. But we'll see. And if I'm taking the the trailer back to my hometown, then that's fine. Um, Things that he likes... um, He likes... I I, I agree again, the, the fact that you can see the chef's cooking your food right in front of you hashtag cast compliment again uh, we haven't mentioned the ketchup and the mustard um, you get the full bottle on your table I like that kind of thing um, Earth Angel by the Penguins yes back to the future totally different IP totally different company but um, to me the 50s and 60s always reminds me of back to the future um, especially the, uh, the enchantment under the sea dance so yeah put the back to the future soundtrack on non-stop put it on loop in my opinion <laughs> um, pay, for, pay for your three songs and just Earth Angel every time every time get it on there um, yeah why can't Des sort milkshakes out that's what I want to know <laughs> <laughs> um, Des Cafe Des Cascadeurs is how it's uh, pronounced now if you uh, weren't there it's Cafe Des isn't it Cafe Des man that, I've no idea what that was <laughs> a, northern, a northerner trying to sound like he's from somewhere past Manchester <laughs> Um, some good ideas as well. Um, Mar- it's, again, it's always the same though. Marvel. Is it Tony Stark's gift to Captain America? Is it going to be the donut place again? Randy's Donuts. Everything seems to be going back to the same thing. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess in I mean the Marvel Cinematic Universe is pretty big now, but it's not. There's not a huge amount you could do with 1950s, and particularly as I'm sure many of us will have seen the uh, the concept art as well as uh, as has been said. Haven't we got Doctor Strange coming along um, very soon to Walt Disney Studios? Um, doesn't he play with time? Couldn't we have a diner that's like a really modern diner in a futuristic like setting, but it's kind of went through some kind of time. He's, he's turned back time, and it's 
you can see it going from you start off in one section where it's the modern section and you walk through and it ends up as the American diner who knows time time could time travel could change it all <laughs> well soon though you might need time travel to actually go there oh don't remind oh. me oh dear <laughs> oh dear <laughs> that's totally knocked me off where I'm supposed to be now I'm looking down here right here we go iTunes now believe it or not we have got a review it's been a while um, and thank you for this review it did happen in June just after we released the last one so um, <laughs> love podcasts five stars by Princess Berry Twist all the way from Australia so hello from Australia Australia, Austria, Austria, all the way from Austria. That's where the Alps are. You can yodel now. I'm not going to do that again. Oh, damn. <laughs> I love podcasts, especially yours. I mostly listen to US podcasts, but I love DLRP. Uh, and I am so happy that I found this podcast and that you are talking so positively about Disneyland Paris. I hope you continue to do so for a long time. I also like trip reports a lot, so it'd be great if you would send some sometime. Now, I, Princess Berry Twist has probably found out by now, if she's just started listening to the podcast in the last episode, that it takes us a while to get around to doing these, because obviously we do so much research and preparation. Mm-hmm, um, also, mm-hmm. she'll notice in the next few episodes that I haven't been for nearly a year, you haven't been for nearly about forever, so... Yeah, forever, yeah. <laughs> Feels like it. Feels like it. So yeah, trip, trip report. If you listen back to the 25th anniversary, I was there, did a trip report then. But... Um, Probably by the time Simon goes again, you'll be able to see him on some kind of hologram. And then by the time I go, <laughs> my son will be 50 years old and he'll be taking his kids so we can do the trip report for us. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for your feedback. It's uh, great to see and to read those. Um, is there anything else before we start wrapping up? Is there anything else you think we need to discuss? Um, like the fact that we've spoken about one hour and a half about... Um, a, a restaurant that you've never stepped foot in well i mean as i as i said at the start this has been an educational experience for me and uh, if anything now i'm just slightly heartbroken that i may have totally missed the opportunity to have the best burgers in the world there you go it, it's a, this podcast is a tragedy in and of itself <laughs> oh dear me and there's probably uh, you've been luckily for you you've been on the uh, rock and roll of course so that's probably been and gone the, yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's Armageddon. Armageddon. I mean, that's you know, I'm mourning the loss of that already, and that's... it's amazing pre-show. How many times can we say the word pre-show in this episode as well? It definitely won't beat that one. <laughs> Just imagine if there's a pre-show of a cafe de cascadeurs. Oh, that'd be good. Well, maybe... We should start doing a pre-show for this podcast as well. Hmm. We'd never get around to it. No, no, we would plan the pre-show for about two weeks, and then it would take <laughs> us at least two months to then record that and then anyway so yeah um cafe de cascada best burgers in the world according to me and alan and a few other disneyland paris fans uh, if you agree then send us a message on twitter uh, we are on instagram we are on facebook and all that jazz so let us know via those platforms Redbubble. Um, I pay for all the hosting, boo-hoo, sad story, uh, but yeah, the hosting for the podcast uh, comes out of my pocket, so I don't make much money from this, but just every little bit, every little bit helps. Um, it's also nice to know that some people are walking around, maybe with a, a t-shirt that I've little designed or has a little magical DLP logo on it. Uh, you can buy stickers with that kind of thing on it or phone covers, anything you like, um, posters for your wall. Um, get it from redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash magical DLP. Um, like I say, it just helps for the 
hosting of the podcast. Um, and I know I've kept saying this, but maybe if we had more of that money coming in, I'd be like, oh, do you need to give something back? And we maybe find the time a lot more uh, frequently to get this done. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to... Does it class as a bribe, me saying, pay us that and we'll do more of these? I don't know. Anyway, we will do more episodes, whether you buy a T-shirt or not. Uh, that's just there if you'd like to. Um, I'm also going to talk about the next episode. Now, you kind of gave a little rumour, a little spoiler before, didn't you, Simon? Oh, you got to have a sneak peek, haven't you? <laughs> the focus of the next episode of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast will see me and that guy, Simon, discussing an attraction back to our roots. We always like roller coasters. We always like attractions. Probably the best. We've done hotels. We've done the Disney Village. We've done restaurant now. Hotel. But roller coasters and attractions, that's what we're there for, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. I mean, back in our introduction podcast, we said we we loved roller coasters, and we still do. And, uh, I mean... We, we've, we've done most of the big ones now, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's one remaining. Indiana Jones. <laughs> if that's not going to tempt you to listen to that podcast for two hours, then uh, nothing will. It was even better than the yodeling. <laughs> I could have yodeled that. A yodel, a yodel, a yodel, So yeah, we're going to talk about Indiana Jones and the te- El Temple du Perel. Don't forget for the French-speaking uh, listeners out there. Very good, very want, good. You can have a go at doing that as well. Do it in French, please. Indiana Jones et le Temple du Perel. That's a lot better. Um, having already done some research into this, I definitely tell you out there um, as a bit of a pre pre-research for yourself listening to the podcast and you for doing the podcast with me Simon you need to uh, search for the Indiana Jones Temple of Peril um, ceremony, opening ceremony it's uh, funny to say the least it's raining <laughs> it involves um, I think it's Plute, no, Goofy Goofy's dressed up as some kind of archaeologist or Indiana Jones lookalike but anyway Indiana Jones and the Temple of Peril. Uh, so yeah, let us know your opinions on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Temple of Peril. Email us at podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk or message us on Twitter, Facebook or via our website, magicaldlp.co.uk. And we haven't had one this time, but don't forget you can also send in your audio opinions, record your views on your laptop, PC, tablet or smartphone and send them in via the same methods, podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk. Now, we're getting into the future now, Simon. We've moved on. Since 2014, when we were just available on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, we're now available on TuneIn, we're available on Spotify now. Uh, So um, we're also available on Alexa, Amazon Alexa. So if you search for Disneyland Paris on Spotify or... Now, um, this is an experiment I'm trying now. Are you ready for this? Alexa, listen to Magical Disneyland Paris podcast. I'm hoping that if somebody has their podcast playing on Alexa or near Alexa... It'll start to play our podcast on their Amazon Echo. That'll be amazing. I mean, there'll just be this huge loop going on of just Magical us. Disneyland Paris podcasts. <laughs> I don't know where. Well, we'll try it anyway. So yeah, if you're if you're living in your parents' house and they've got an Alexa and you're in the room and you're walking past, just play that bit again where it says Alexa, listen to Magical Disneyland Paris podcast. Then hopefully it'll start to play. Subscribe. There you go. 
but yeah spotify um it's on there now and alexa as well so we've got lots of different places no excuse share it if you're listening to it already then you already know how to find us with what you're listening on but share it get us on spotify get us on alexa uh, if you like what we're doing don't forget to leave us a five star review and get in touch this podcast is nothing without you because it's okay i was talking for an hour about cafe de cascadeurs but it's the other hour after that where we're talking about your tweets and your emails and listening to your voices on your audio that's the bit we do this for anything else to add no only that next time i promise i will be talking about a subject that i know something about anyway thanks for joining us for episode 20 of the magical disneyland paris podcast until next time goodbye goodbye excelsior